Like, yeah, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to pre-buy Southern Sam's Sticky Icky, you need to just, uh, I don't know, DM me on Twitter. My, my Twitter is Sean VP, DM me and say, I'm in on Southern Sam's Sticky Icky. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. All right, before we get in the episode, we got to say something really quick. Sean, I sent you that thing to share. So if you go to Sean and or I's Twitter profile, you'll see it. Or you go to ratethispodcast.com slash MFM. It stands for my first million. Ratethispodcast.com slash MFM. If you leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts, we're going to select one person. Or are we selecting one person? Oh, no, we're selecting six people. And we're going to give a grand to six different people. And we'll announce that winner in a couple weeks. Um, we're doing this because... If we get more reviews in a very particular amount of time and you get more momentum, you go up the charts. And if you go up the charts, you get more listeners, or at least that's the hypothesis. So we're and incentivizing if you get more people. listeners. We get more excited. We our egos grow, and I know that's what everybody wants. So let's do it. Um, yeah, I just uh, went to a conference today, um, Cody Sanchez's conference to talk, and uh, dude, everyone listens. It's pretty fun. How was uh, how was the conference? So she has uh, her brand is like contrarian, contrarian capital. I think it is. Um, and so this was the was the, uh, the contrarian conference or something like that. Yeah, and I love her and I love the conference, but I it's it was kind of silly. Like in my head, I was making a joke because they had contrarian um, merch and they had like hundreds of the same ones. And I was like, well, if we all <laughs> bought this, like that's you know, it doesn't really work. That you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, uh, so anyway, it was great though. No, she was cool. I asked. I think there was probably three hundred people. I asked who listened. I feel like everyone. All their hands went up. People uh, were talking about us. They always confuse our voices, but we get that all Good. the time. All right. I love it. And I was supposed to go to that. I didn't go. You went. Um, there's like a, a bunch of different motivations people have for going to these things. What was your motivation? Because some people would say, oh, going to these conferences is kind of a waste of time. And other people say, no, I love it. I'm network. I learn things. For I just you, went because she's she's my friend and it's near my house. And then in general, but but you've gone to some of the, some of the, some other ones like this, like the podcast one you went to recently, or stuff in New York. What uh, I guess give give people how you think about this stuff uh, because I think it's good to have like a frame of like okay, this is why I go to these, this is how I go to them, and this is what what's come out of it for me. Um, I like meeting people who I know on the internet. That makes me feel good. And I also like going, uh, you know, I've paid money to go to some events. I've paid $5,000, $10,000 to go to some events um, because I can meet one person and become a lifelong friend with them. And that pays for itself, but makes me happy. So yeah, yeah. I don't mind going. Yeah, I do the same thing. I kind of have in my head, um, I'm here to learn one thing. Like I want to have one great idea, like a truly great idea. Maybe it's a tactic, a marketing idea, a realization of something I need to change or a new business idea, a new whatever. So one great idea is my like bar and then one great person. And if I do that, it's worth it. That's like such a low bar. But um, yeah, but what's better, what, like the be- the good part about that is then you go hunting. You, you are saying, oh, I'm here to make, meet one great person. Who's a great person? And if you're talking to somebody who's not that great, you're like, all right, peace out. I'm going to go bump around and see who else is here. Right. Um, and same thing with one great idea. You can listen to a talk and you might otherwise kind of zone out or say, oh, this doesn't apply to me. But if you're just on the hunt for that golden nugget, the one great idea, and it's like, dude, in the eight hours of this event, there's going to be at least one great idea. Um, it changes the way for me, at least it changes the way I, I attend these things. Yeah, I agree. I'm the same way. 
Hey, quick break to talk about our sponsor today. We're talking about HubSpot and their new AI-powered service hub. Okay, so what is service hub? Basically, every customer today wants to be talked to in a personalized way. And before, that required tons of human agents. But now, with AI, you could do that in a personalized way with fewer humans involved. And so you don't have to scale up your team in order to deliver personalized chat and service. So check out HubSpot's new service hub to use their AI tools to give better support to your customers. That's what they want and that's what they deserve. So visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn how this all new solution can help you deliver customer service with AI to your customers. And speaking of great ideas, we I want to talk to me about, let's go to these three news stories that you want to go over. Because I actually, I think you selected all three and they're awesome. They're awesome. All three are pretty good. <laughs> so, um, all right. So I have three. You have one. Let, let's start with yours. You, you have one that's about Elon tweeting about the uh, Elon tweeted something about giving away six billion to world hunger. What I heard was you tell me if this is correct. My wife told me this story. She goes, do you hear you know, somebody tweeted out or there's a news story that said, you know, these billionaires, the, uh, Elon's the richest man in the world now. If he, you know, with six billion dollars, he could end world hunger. And then he replied to it. He was like, if you could show me that six billion dollars would end world hunger, I'll write the check now. Like, I'll, I will happily do it. Just show me that that's the case. And, um, and so that's all I know about this. What did you? Oh, you don't know what happened this? after that? OK, no, so no. Uh, someone I forget who maybe CNN said if the billionaires would donate six billion dollars, we'd cure or end world hunger. Elon, like you said, replied and goes and, and his language was great. He goes. Show me how that will happen, and I will sell Tesla stock right now to pay for $6 billion of this stuff. And right. uh, I forget the exact title, but something like the head of the United, was it uh, World Hunger or United Nations, some like official international body, the head said, you know, better yet, you know, Elon, just come and we'll show you our processes and how we work. And Elon said, no, sunshine is great. Uh, tell me it, in tweet form, how this is going to help and where the money will go. And I will send you the money right now. And he goes, you know, this is just too complicated to say over Twitter. <laughs> and um, I think, and I'm not like the biggest Elon nut hugger. I think that this totally made Elon look great. These types of things should be done in a very simple way where you can explain what's happening. You don't have to say like, um, you, you know, exactly. But you could say like, you know, 30% of the budget is going to go to hire around 10,000 people who we think can give out this much, you know, whatever. That is a good enough answer. And right. uh, the guy didn't do it. Total miss. And when we were talking to BitClout guy uh, Natter a few days ago, he was explaining what he does. And then you go, no, 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 no. This is what you do. And you explained it so much better. And he goes, oh, I sh that's how I should always explain it everyone should have that skill that you have and you could actually develop that skill. It is a skill. It's not just a talent. And anyway, this guy blew it and I thought it was an awesome tweet thread. You know, uh, so two things. One is on that skill. Uh, so how do you develop that? I'll give you two kind of unorthodox ways that you develop it. The first is you got to have bullshit callers around you. So like, you know, the way I was like, no, 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 dude, that's way too complicated. Uh, most people just won't say that to somebody. And uh, there's this great clip. I know you like uh, you watch some Joe Rogan as well as I do. And there's this great clip of Brian Callen, who's one of the kind of friends and the crew of, of Joe Rogan. And they're they're doing their fight companion podcast, which is where they just watch the fight and they're just shooting the shit, uh, drinking and eating cheese and you know, drinking wine, and eating cheese. And they watch the fight. And like, I don't know, a hundred thousand or more people will tune in to like hang out with them while they watch the fight, even though the fight's not visible on the screen. That's just how fun it is for them to hang out. 
And during this thing, Brian Callen, who's a lifelong, you know, like comedian, he's kind of like a scrawny guy. And Joe's kind of like a former martial artist. He's sort of like a meathead. And then the other guy on there is an ex pro fighter. So it's a bunch of kind of like bros. And, um, and Brian is saying something. He goes, Brian's like, oh man, if somebody ever tried that on me, bro, you know, I would, you know what yeah. I would do. And they were like, and they just kind of moved on for a second. And then he's like, and the guy said it again, like nobody really addressed it. And he's like, he's like, I he's like, I would never let somebody do it. it would be, it would be on. And then, and then Joe's like, Brian, what are you talking about? He's like, well, why are you saying shit like this? He's like, you know, you don't, you're not going to do anything, first of all. And he's like, he's like, the problem, Brian, is that you hang out with people that will let you say shit like this. And he's like, you need to stop hanging out with whoever, whatever type of people let you let you get away with just saying things like this and just, you know, letting it fly. And I, after that, I just thought that was hilarious. And then I started noticing, oh, there's some people in my life and I call them, you know, the people who will tell you there's food in your teeth. It's like, there's two types of people. There's people who will see it and not say anything. And then, you know, four hours later you get home and you're like, bro, what the hell? I had spinach in my teeth the whole time. Why didn't someone tell me? And then there's the person who will cut you off and be like, yo, 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 you got a little something in your teeth here. And you're like, oh shit, I'm embarrassed. But like the embarrassment was localized to the moment. And then you like saved yourself from there. And that's a true friend. And so you want people around you that will tell you when you're saying something that just makes no sense or is confusing or is like delusional or whatever. And they're just like, what are you talking about? Why are you saying that? You say stuff like this all the time. This doesn't make any sense. Or you say stuff like this. And honestly, I think you think that's really awesome. But no, when other people hear that, they don't hear really awesome. Like so we I asked Abreu, you have people uh, like that. Abreu, who used to work for us and we love, he was explaining to Sean and I what his new business does. And he wrote this long paragraph. And I think Sean goes, uh, I don't know what any of those words you just said mean. <laughs> and then he yeah. was like. I buy con I buy land, but before paying for it, I hurry up and resell it to someone else and make a profit. It's like, okay, right. great. Yeah, now I understand you. what that means. Right. Yeah. And then, well, actually the first thing he said was, bro, I just wrote you two paragraphs and I, I didn't even have to address it because he knows if you wrote two paragraphs and I don't know what you what I don't know what you do still. That's on you. That's not on me. <laughs> and so, right. uh, you know, the, the, the burdens on the owner. So one thing is having people like that around you. The other thing is hanging out with somebody who's good at it. And maybe, you know, hopefully for some people listening to this podcast helps them because I think we both do a good job of yeah. explaining stuff without too much jargon. Or you try at least. And so the more you hang out with people like that, you'll just naturally through osmosis, like, you know, this, it'll just pick up, it'll, you'll be like a sponge. It'll just come right into you. You'll just start getting better at it because you've heard our voices in your head all the time. And so hang out with people who do it. Like I have a buddy, uh, Suli, who's great at this. You're really great at this. Ramon's really great at this. So like, our best friends all are really good at just saying things for what they are in a way that's simple and easy and fun to understand. And like, so then you, by nature, you know, you'll naturally get good at it. Speaking of friends, what, uh, what did, so I was out to dinner with Moyes the other day and he made this comment about Casper. He ends up tweeting it pretty brilliant. You want to talk about that? I do. Wait, can I say one thing about the Elon? World? Yeah. So, so the guy from world hunger, who's like, Oh, it's not that simple. I can't really break it down. All right. So that's obviously a loss on their end. But there is a great example of a charity who does this well. So um, have you seen what Charity Water does for their like accountability? Because no. uh, what Elon said was the whole thing. I'll donate the money. My only thing is it has to be kind of like open source and transparently accountable yeah, where the money is going and what's the effect of it. Jack and, Dorsey uh, did that as well. And he just Jack Dorsey did it with a fucking Google spreadsheet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He said, here's the, here's all the money. 
here's where it's going. Here's the schedule. And here's a, it's a Google doc. It's a Google yes. doc that anybody can go view. Uh, you can't edit it, but you can go view it at any given time and see how the money things amazing. Going. So, so the founder of cherry water, he, uh, his story's amazing, but like, I'll give you kind of the, the fast forwarded version of it. So fast forwarded version of his stories, guy named Scott Harrison. He, um, he grows up and when he's a kid, his mom got this like, um, terrible illness. She basically, she was a stay at home mom. So the dad goes to work, kids go to school. She stayed home and the new house they had moved into. It had like a gas leak or something like that. And so it like silently killed her autoimmune system. So she got so, uh, her immune system was so compromised that she could not like go outside. She could not like touch objects that had not been sanitized. She couldn't do the laundry. Cause like the the cleaner, the bleach had chemicals in it and it would just like kill her if, you know, so they had to like do everything by hand using baking soda six times. Or like if she wanted to read a book, Scott would go put it in the oven first and they would have to sort of like kill all the bacteria, like by sanitizing it with heat and then hand it to her and she'd wear gloves and they would like slowly turn pages and stuff like that. Like it was insane. And so he, um, and they, but, but even that whole time they didn't sue the company that had that was responsible for the leak because they were like very religious family and they were like, you know, this is God's plan. And so Scott, who like grows up with this really unusual childhood, he's having to like in many ways be the caretaker of the household because his mom wasn't able to do it. And he sees his mom suffering. He's like, dude, you know, F this religion shit. I'm uh, I'm going to go live now. So he gets he turns 18 and he like goes <laughs> to college. But I think he, I think he might have dropped out. Not 100% sure, but he he starts partying like crazy. He moves to New York and he becomes like a, bi- a guy in the party scene. And Scott, if you've ever seen him, he's a good looking guy. He's sort of like a George Clooney looking motherfucker. Like he's like very like it's like the guy gets gray hair and he looks even him more handsome than he did before. And so um, real, and real, real Rico Suave type of guy. V- very suave. Super great storyteller, really funny. Just uh, he's a great hang. Like uh, I've hung out with him, and you're just like charmed, you know, the whole time. And so, anyways, he's he hits the party scene, and he eventually he's like, all right, I gotta make some money, so he becomes a party like promoter. So his job was, and he says this like. My job was to convince rich guys that they needed to pay me like five thousand dollars, six thousand dollars to get to go buy this hundred dollar bottle of alcohol. And he's like, they knew what they were doing and I knew what I was doing and it worked anyways. And so he starts making a killing as a party promoter and he's got the fancy watch. He's got the model girlfriends. He's got the nice penthouse in New York and he's getting paid, you know, whatever some vodka company will pay him. $2,500 a night just to be drinking their liquor instead of somebody else's liquor and somebody will pay him to wear this watch instead of somebody else's watch. And so he's kind of the man in this scene. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives that I thought was pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. But a few years go by and he's like, starts to feel, you know, as you do when you kind of get in this party lifestyle, he starts to feel a little empty inside. Like the the highs no longer are doing it for you anymore. And I think he was, the story is, he was on this guy's boat. This guy, um, his name is what is the name guy the guy who created Cirque du Soleil like guy yeah. li- li- libertarian Canadian or guy yeah yeah, yeah. Some, some name like that I can't remember off the top of my head billionaire Canadian yeah he's on his yacht or boat or whatever party boat 
And Scott's just so in, in the boat, like in the room where he was in, there's a Bible and he kind of sees it and he grew up in a super religious household and then has, you know, become basically like a sinner. Um, and he just sort of picks up the book and, you know, he's hung over one day and he starts reading it. He's reading the Bible and he starts to like kind of like get emotional and he sort of has this literal like come to Jesus moment where he's like, what am I doing with my life? Like, you know, like I'm, I'm not a good person. I'm not doing good for anyone in the world. And like. You know, I'm just like partying and drinking. It's all a very shallow lifestyle. It's like, you know, uh, these these hot girls and then these rich guys and this like lifestyle that's not great in drugs, alcohol, that sort of thing. So he's like, OK. And I think also he literally woke up that day and he was like numb in his hand. He's like, this is like a metaphor. I'm not just numb in my arm like I'm numb in life right now. So he's like, OK, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the next six months. I'm just going to take a six month break from this lifestyle and I'm just going to. What's like the most servant, like servant thing I can go do? How can I just serve people? You know, how can I go do a very Christian thing here? And um, and so he applies to all these nonprofits and they reject him. They're like, you're a party promoter. Like we don't. He's like, dude, I'll work for free. And they're like, no, we don't need your your kind here. He's like, are you sure? Like, I'm good with people. I'm good with like events. I'm good with all this stuff. And they're like, no, no, no. Like where you come from, that's not that's not what we're looking for here. So he gets rejected after one after another. And finally, he gets this one group to agree to let him work there if he pays. So he had to pay to go work there. Uh, so he basically oh. made a, a large contribution to um, Mercy Ships, I think is what it's called. It's basically a thing where. Uh, hotshot doctors in the US like for one week out of the year they go on this boat and it goes to Africa and then they they spend all week there doing like uh, pro bono surgeries on people who need surgeries and then they come back and he's like he kind of his background is photography so he's like oh dude I'll I'll take photos of this trip uh, that'll be my contribution. And so he goes there and he's got the photos still. He'll show it to you. And when he gives his talk, he shows them. It's like what they were doing was there was kids with like a massive like tumor growth. So like, you know, they would have like a huge lump on the side of their head, like the size of a volleyball or like in their jaw. Their jaw would be protruding out like six inches because they had this growth. And like all they needed was just for it to be removed. Like they're having trouble eating, breathing. It's like not even a cancerous thing. It's just a benign tumor, but they just needed it removed. And he's like, dude, the line was like a mile long. And he's like, the saddest part is we, um, you know, we couldn't do all the surgery. The one week was up and there's still people in the end of the line that didn't get their surgeries or whatever. So he's like, OK, um, I'm not just going to do this. I, I'm just going to like I'm going to go back. I'm going to dedicate my life to like, you know, f uh, helping people because I can't believe what I've been doing. And this was so meaningful to me and whatever. So he's like, for, he does two things. He goes to, on the ground in Africa and he says, what is the like root cause? What are some of the root causes of this problem? So he does kind of what Elon calls first principles thinking, which is why does this person have this crazy tumor in the first place? And it's like, well, they might have this tumor because, um, you know, they are are they don't have clean drinking water and sanitation. And so there's like highly infested things. So you found that on all these different axes, like why are these women uh, why, why are women, um, you know, falling so far behind in society and not getting high paying jobs? Well, because they actually have to spend five hours a day just walking to the nearest water hole and walking mm. back, carrying this 40 pound, 50 pound jug of water. And that takes five hours in a day. And then, then they have to use that water quickly. Um, and like do all the laundry, cooking, washing of their kids. And then like, they don't work. And then because of that, they're like, you know, stuck and economically stuck. So anyways, he's like, he identifies water as the root cause. He's like, okay. And he asked himself a very important question. He goes, why have I not been giving to charity? Like I kind of knew there's suffering all around the world. Kids in Africa are starving and need water and all this. Why didn't I give? And it's a, this is the connection to the Elon thing. He's like, 
Because I always kind of felt and heard like you never know where the money goes or if, if you gave if you gave even if you do give money, um, you have this worry. Like, I don't know if this is even making an impact and th- they never closed the loop. So you never knew where the money went and you never saw the impact of your dollars. It was just like, thank you. Goodbye. Here's your tax. Here's your tax deduction. Goodbye. And so he's like, all right. I'm going to do it differently. He's like, he's like, I, he didn't know anything about the nonprofit space, but he's like, all right, like, let's just do the basics. He's like, what if 100% of the money went to the cause? <laughs> and he's like, that would like clear up that question mark. He's like, and then he's like, also I'm a photographer. Like, why don't we just take photos of the place where we do the project and send it to the person who gave us the money? Like if you contributed, we know where the project is. Why don't we just send you a photo when we do the project and say, Hey, here's what you, what you did. And he, so he's like, I'm going to use GPS trackers and photos to make people feel the effect of their giving. And that's what he does so, now. That's what he does now. So he goes back to New York. He throws a party because he's like, oh, that's kind of the only thing I know how to do. He's like, I'm going to throw a party. It's my birth, 30th, 30th birthday or something like that. He's like, throw a birthday party. But instead of giving me a gift at the door charge, um, I just want you to give $30 to the cause. I'm 30 years old. Give 30 bucks to the cause. And so people come. They have this party because he's got a great social network in New York. And, uh, you know, they forget about it. Three months later, he sent them all photos of the project that they contributed to. He's like, hey, that that all added up. We drilled these two water wells. They used to have to walk this far. Now, here's how far they walk. Look at the map. And, um, you know, we turned a four hour walk into a, you know, into a 10 minute walk. And then he's like, "Um, here's what the women have to say. There's videos of them thanking you. And here's like the kids, you know, here's the water, like fresh, clean. This is the water they used to drink. It's like dirty. Here's the clean, clear water. That's what you did. And people were blown away. And that became the basis for the charity. They've raised a ton of money, like four hundred, five hundred million dollars. Yeah. Well, the story gets a little crazier. So he, he he's like, I'm going to stick to this hundred percent model. Hundred percent of money goes to the cause. And people were like, well, bro, there's a reason people don't do that. Like, how are you going to pay for your own salary or the salary of anybody working on the charity? He's like, we'll do a separate bank account, literally two bank accounts. One that's public donations that go to the cause and one that will be private donations for people that want to fund our charity to do this. And he's like. And of course, people were pretty interested in doing the 100 percent thing, less people were interested in the private thing. And that's where like kind of full circle, uh, uh, I guess, like, I don't know how, how long I want to go on this, but I'll give you the kind of the cool, the cool last bit. So he's basically running out of money um, for the private side, for the actual for himself. And he's just sleeping on couches and he's like, you know, I got a backpack to my name and like I'm the only employee, so it's fine. <laughs> And but even still, he starts running out of money. His friends are kind of kicking him off couches. He's running out of friends houses to go sleep in. And he's like, all right. Um, he's like, let me just do one. Like th- this whole thing may end, but I want to do as much good as I can in the meantime. So he's like, you know, this birthday idea of giving up your birthday. Like we're all pretty privileged. We don't need birthday gifts. I gave up my birthday. That's how I started this charity. Like instead of giving to me, give to them. Um, he's like, dude, there's these social networks now. Facebook, MySpace, Bebo, that they all have like millions of people and they all have this birthday feature and people go right on each other's wall. He's like, so he wrote a letter to Mark Zuckerberg to like Tom from MySpace and to Michael Birch from Bebo. And he wrote a letter to all of them. And he said, Hey, you have millions and millions of members on your platforms. They all have birthdays logged registered in the platform and people looking for a way to wish each other. Um, it would be amazing if you added a charity button, a way for you to give up your birthday and let people donate for your birthday to the cause. Um, he gets no reply from Facebook. He gets no reply from MySpace and he gets no reply from Bebo. So he's like, ah, whatever didn't work. Now, a month later, Michael Birch from Bebo says, Hey, Scott, sorry, I missed this. Uh, we actually just sold the company. So he just sold the company for $850 million. And he said, uh, you know, so I can't really implement this here, but you know what? I'm in New York. Uh, let's just meet up for an hour. And so he goes and he meets with them 
Scott gives him the full pitch. Michael's like a British guy. He's pretty reserved, you know, in person. He's, he's, you know, British people have like a dry sense of humor too. So they're not like the most like emotive when you're talking to them. And so Scott basically feels like, oh, I told this guy what we're doing. He basically didn't flinch and he moved on like whatever. And um, he had six weeks of runway left in the bank. He's like, ah, that was my last. That was my Hail Mary. I have six months, six weeks of, of runway left. And then this whole thing ends. But you know what? We did some good work. And then Michael wrote him an email right after the meeting, like the next day. And he just said, hey, Scott, loved our chat. Um, send me your wire instructions. I'll send you a million dollars. Use it however you wish. Keep rocking. And uh, the million dollars kept them going for one more year. And then since then, they've now raised hundreds of millions of dollars for the charity. They're like one of the biggest privately backed charities because they have this 100 percent model. And Michael got them in with other kind of wealthy tech people. And they all like this idea of like accountability, transparency and closing the loop on on giving and feeling the impact like that just feels right to the kind of the new new wave of rich people. And so it's like taken off since then. That's the crazy story of Charity Water. That you just gave them a 30 minute infomercial. Yeah, uh, I don't feel bad. I've been with them to Africa and literally it's like uh, it's not only like changing lives, but when when he goes there, people literally and he's the most humble dude. But I went to the village and people literally feel like he's Jesus. A, because it's like a white man who comes to this village. He's like the only white person ever like in the village. And B, because he like whatever he's doing when he leaves here somehow results in fresh water being like given to our village. And they're like, thank you. Whatever you're doing out there is, is, you know, God's work. That's badass. I should, I should give to him. I have not, but I, after yeah, that pitch, good. I will. Um, can I, let me tell you about someone interesting. Have yeah. you heard of a guy named AJ Patel? I bet you haven't ne- never heard of him. What is he? All right. He? You have not heard of him and you're going to be surprised that you've not heard of him. So this guy's way low key. And I got interested in the space because I've been a lot really interested in low sugar products. Uh, whenever like whenever I'm in New York or particularly New York, because I go to like corner stores all the time, you see like moms with their kids and they buy like Hawaiian punch or like fucking Gatorade. Like you, it's they, a sugar like, factory, a corner store a, and a grocery store are sugar factories. It's sad. And or I feel sugar horrible dispensaries. Maybe. I yeah, say. it's horrible. And it's because maybe that's just more convenient, but, and people just, I don't think know better. So I've been doing research and I found this guy named AJ Patel. So he, listen to what this guy's done. So he started a, this, he's only 32. So he started this thing called smooth Viking, which was a men's grooming business that he sold. Then he started Insta naturals, which is a nat natural based skincare, uh, business. It did $55 million in 2018. Um, and it's been, uh, I mean, it, it, it crushes it. Um, and then he started Zenwise, which was a plant powered vitamins and supplements. And it was doing okay, like five to $8 million in revenue. But then he was like, the thing about vitamins, like people are a lot, a lot of people are asking me for vitamins for my pet, for their dogs, for their cats. And he was like, that's cool. And it's even cooler because you have no idea if it works, right? That's yeah. the funny thing about pet stuff. And and I give my uh, pet vitamins and I'm like, does it work? I have no yeah. fucking idea, Right. but Just I'm doing it. And so he starts this thing called Zesty Paws and Zesty Paws is kind of amazing. And so he kind of creates a strategy where he does two things. The first thing that he does is he spends a lot of money up front on making the brand really good. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of times guys like you or me, will just kind of throw something up there. Yeah. Like an MVP, right? The minimum viable product kind of looks shitty and crappy at the beginning. Yeah. So he hires a, a, a agency or a branding agency and they help him make Zessie Paul's like look really great. And then he, the, his whole goal is to first dominate Amazon, then go to retail. 
And I was doing some research and I used uh, Jungle Scout and I also watched a bunch of videos. So Zesty Paws recently sold for $610 million. It's estimated on Amazon they are doing around 800, sorry, $8 million a month on Amazon only. And then probably another 7 million uh, through their retail outlets. It costs around $8 to wholesale and it sells for $26. So it, they could have been doing around $40 million in profit when they sold and they sold for $610 million. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up, his new thing is called high key cookie. It's, and I've noticed that when you look up high key co-founder, they'll, they don't mention his name. He's trying to hide it for some reason. I don't know why he's trying to hide. I don't know what his deal is. Uh, he just prefers being low key. Um, but he doesn't talk about it too much. I think he just prefers being low key. But uh, high key is basically low sugar cookies. And he's doing the exact same thing where he's getting on Amazon and he's ranking and he's got 60,000 reviews. And it's a pretty new product already. It's pretty amazing what this guy's doing. He's doing the same strategy over and over and over again. Um, are you looking at uh, high key cookies on? I'm on his uh, his LinkedIn right now. So he's listed as the co-CEO. And uh, he looks like he's in Florida. How did you hear about this person? Um, I, two different ways I was researching, um, low carb cookies because I'm fascinated by that. I'm right now. Some current obsessions are low sugar cookies and low sugar ketchup and other sauces. Right. Um, and I was researching and I saw high key and I remember a friend, our mutual friend told me about this guy who had this thing called zesty paws and his whole strategy was to dominate Amazon and then go to retail. Wow. Very impressive. Uh, very few people have done what this person has done. So I uh, think he's 32 years old or 31. Amazing. Yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, have you tried fat snacks? Is that cute? Um, so I'm, I have a list of lists here of companies that are interesting and I did try fat snacks and I thought that they were fine. I thought they were okay. But yeah. the problem that I have, the, so I eat quest all the time. Are you familiar yeah. with quest bars? Yeah. I, right, uh, I, I like the quest chips cause I'm a chip guy. I don't have a sweet tooth, but the quest they basically have like a version of Doritos and honestly they're like the only keto snack that I actually like I'm like uh, it, it, it like actually replaces the craving you know yeah so I eat a ton of quests now but there's like a big background here so uh how do you say his last name Tom Bilyeu he spoke at yeah. our event HustleCon he's a pretty cool guy this was actually one of the first D2C kind of home runs so basically they bootstrapped this company and within five years sold it for a billion dollars and they were making, I think Tom's mom or someone in his family was really overweight and he wanted to create a low gly- glycogen food, you know, lower carb food for his overweight family member. And he's like, I just need it to taste good so we can replace candy. And so he right. creates this thing and revenue is doubling like every month. And eventually they sell it for a billion dollars when they get to a hundred million in revenue. But there's a, it's quite controversial. So I eat them, but a lot of people don't like it because it has sucralose or is that how you pronounce it? Su- sucralose? sucralose. Yeah, that's right. And it's basically like a sugar alcohol and they also put a lot of fiber in it. And so their protein, uh, a lot of people don't like it because it's like not the best protein. It also has palm oil. A lot of people don't like palm oil. So a lot of like health nuts, including Justin Maris, who I talked to about this, they, they don't like it because yeah. it, it just kind of got some shit in there. But frankly, I love it. But um, <laughs> the reason why Quest Bars are amazing is because they are in every fucking store. If you go to a 7-Eleven or a gas station, they're going to have Quest Bars. Right. Whereas a lot of the other stuff, the reason why I don't consume as much is they're not, they're just not convenient. Right. And so anyway, I'm getting incredibly fascinated with these low sugar products that are in every store. 
Well, I like the idea of the low sugar sauces. I think low sugar uh, ketchup is a great one to go after. Who's doing that? Is that a is that a business that's like saturated or no? It's not. Invest? So that's, the, a, that's a great idea. I think it's fantastic, and the reason why it's fantastic is when you're trying to eat lower carb and eat healthy. Mustard has no calories and no sugar in it. Barbecue right. sauce is shit. Uh, ketchup very high sugar. You know, if yes. Heinz, uh, Heinz has a $45 billion market cap, they make something like $7 billion a year just in sauces and condiments. Most of it's like is basically ketchup and ketchup is crazy high sugar. Their ketchup. The reason why it's that bright red is there's a ton of, um, a ton of sugar in it. And there was a company called primal kitchen, which sold for $300 million in 2018. It was started by this guy who kind of looks like an old version of me. His name's Mark. Uh, what's his name? Mark Sisson. I think his name, You'll have to look up Mark Sisson, S-I-S-S-O-N. I believe that's his name. Um, and he had a whole line. Dude, just he does of, look like an older version of you. That's hilarious. Yeah, he looks like, an, like mean, a... He is ripped. This guy, I don't know how old he is. He looks like he I think he's like 70s. 60s, yeah. And he is like absolutely shredded, which is impressive. Well, I uh, met his face. We kind of have like similar faces, but older. Dude, this um, guy is, this is you, man. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. Wow, you're going to look like this. So he's 68 years old. Wow. Crazy. And so he had this this business where he, he had a blog. He's been a blogger forever, a health blogger. And he created Primal Kitchen, which is a uh, uh, they make dressings. Dude, the dressings and ketchup are the worst. Dressings have so much like an Italian dressing, so much yeah. fucking sugar. Like, in oh, it. I'm eating a salad. It's like, well, how's a salad like twelve hundred calories because the dressing. So I've been like super curious about this. And tell me what you think about this. The problem with a lot of D2C companies is that the cost to acquire a customer is stupidly high. Right now, it's I think it's the highest it's ever been. Yeah. Uh, Every at least it's the highest it's ever been. Yeah, correct. But particularly with the Facebook change and competition, it's just getting high. So our friend Andrew created this thing where basically he he this was illegal what he did, but like whatever it, it happened, he he created a menu and put it on Uber Eats and was just like making low glycemic muffins. So I guess like almond flour muffins at home and putting it on Uber Eats, and he just like made the branding really cute. Yeah. Could you just create like one of these high key or these low carb cookies or something like that and just put it on the local Uber Eats, start getting customers, put like a coupon code in there. I mean, I feel like that's an, an interesting way to kind of hack customer acquisition for a lot of these DSC things. Yeah, I think that is kind of interesting, although I don't know how many people are going to like order just uh like even a bakery, it's like, okay, yeah, you're getting like, you know, a dozen muffins or cookies or whatever. Like, I don't know if people would just go order um like a sauce or something right like that's no, not gonna work no but the cookie i don't thing think they'll work. do yeah i don't think they would do cookies but have you heard of Assam- insomnia and, cookies and by the way it's only illegal because he just didn't have a commercial cook a commercial kitchen and a license right but like you could easily yeah. do that right you could do the same exact thing he, if you're just if you're not doing it out of a, you know like a home kitchen or whatever you just need a permit right that's the only problem with it yes correct yeah. have you heard of insomnia cookies yeah they're insane yeah, they're insane. They're amazing. I'm just thinking, like, I think you could do that from a cloud kitchen and then start selling them online. I totally think you do that. Crumble is also like growing like crazy right now. I think it's one of the fastest growing franchises is Crumble Cookies. Um, but I, let's get back to this ketchup idea. How do I convince you to start this company? Because you would crush it. Uh, it's in yeah, your it's area of expertise. It's a beautiful market because huge, like huge demand. Um, and it's a consumable. So you run out and you have to keep rebuying, re- re- replenishing. Um, and people use a lot of sauce and you could turn this into a whole, you could extend into other sauces, but if you'd start with, you know, ranch or you start with ketchup, you'd get like a huge number of people, barbecue sauce, like just two, three skews. You could do this. 
And then with your marketing prowess, like you could build, you could literally build like a $500 million company for this in like four years. Um, I think it's amazing. Why are you not doing this? I, I should. The other day I went to the okay, store and done. I bought ketchup. Uh, the other day I went to the store and I bought ketchup and it, it was they, it was like a how ho- I didn't realize it was near Halloween and they called it blood tomato. And I thought that meant like, oh, like it's like a, some weird category where it's only t- the tomatoes and no sugar. And I bought it and it was just normal Heinz. And I've been eating this <laughs> shit all week because I don't want to throw it away. And it's horrible. The sugar in, in Heinz is, is it makes it taste good. So but what, it's dog what are we going to call it? So Sam sauce? What are we calling? Uh, what are we calling the, the, the brand here? Oh, fuck. Southern Sam M- Sticky Mis- Icky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go, dude. Yes, there we go. Oh, my God, dude. Southern Sam is such a good... Br- I'm not joking. Like, I, okay, I'm just going to use you as the face of this. I'll build the bread. I'll do all the work, maybe, and, and actually we'll launch this thing. Dude, w- this is an incredible You idea. like Southern Sam Sticky Icky? Like... Yeah, if you want to, if you want to pre-buy Southern Sam Sticky Icky, you need to just uh, I don't know DM me on Twitter. My my Twitter is Sean VP. DM me and say I'm in on Southern Sam Sticky Icky, which is this first sauce that's coming out, and it's going to be a. I mean, you're a fitness influencer, so you got to have that balance. You're going to have the health aspect. We know that. We've seen the body. We've seen the videos. What we need now is that flavor. But Southern Sam, he's been. This is what you needed back when you had your hot dog stand. You just needed yeah. the condiments. <laughs> you just need it's a it's a full circle. Oh my god, I love it. Have you heard of um Sir Kensington ketchup? Yes, my buddy uh, our our buddy invested in it. Who? Uh, oh, okay, great. It sold for uh 140 million dollars. Yeah, and uh, and I think it undersold. It sold pretty, you know, sold early on. Yeah. But I think at that time also, like, I think selling helped them get into retail in a big way. And, uh, you know, that's one of the good things about selling these companies is like, if you can do the branding, you can do the cult online following, you can do the D2C online marketing side. You actually almost want to leave some dry powder for the acquirer. You want to go to the acquirer and say, yeah, we're doing amazing. And we have, we don't even know how to do retail. You guys know that, right? You guys know you got you got a buddy you play golf with who does Target who does uh, uh Safeways nationwide on the you know you you have the the guy in the Rocky Mountain region for Whole Foods he's he's your ex frat buddy oh fantastic like you should just buy this and then boom you already have your growth story baked in of how you're going to improve this and so that actually helps you sell the companies to have that dry powder of sure what can the acquirer do they don't want to see a, a lemon that's just been squeezed all the way all the juices out because then it's all priced in. Dude, maybe I'll go to the store like right for this. Just go buy a bunch of organic and low sugar ketchups and see what's out there. Like, I'll be the first to admit the sugar in there makes it taste so good. I mean, I'll just eat ketchup with a spoon. That's just so good. This is the idea. Okay. 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 I got full circle. Last episode, it was like, ah, what can we do with this marketing budget that will uh, like make for a good story beyond just, you know, direct response ads. This is what we should do with the marketing budget. We should be showing it would do case studies, basically do a fully open business. Basically, we should show how we would build this business from scratch. And Southern Sam's Southern Sam's secret sauce is going to be the first place that we start. We just (laughs) we take we take 10 grand, we take 10, 15 grand and we put that instead of going and saying, hey, listen to our podcast. 
We actually just tell the story of how we're building this on the podcast, and that will make people want to tune in. They'll see the growth and they'll see the success story, which is ultimately what this podcast is about. Brainstorming great ideas and then t- talking about how you bring how you would bring them to life. It's definitely interesting. I think it'd be fun. I got to go to the store, though, and buy a bunch of them and uh, see what they're about and see if they taste good. But uh, this Primal Kitchen one seems incredibly interesting. I And I would imagine that these I bet the multiples for selling these. I would imagine they'd be all right, right? They'd be pretty good because the repeat purchase rate on ketchup is crazy high. I'd have to imagine. Yeah, I think you can safely sell for, you know, somewhere between two and four X revenue, depending on what your story is. So how fast you're growing, how big that market is, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I think two, even up to five times uh, revenue is possible for a brand like this. But yeah, right, well, then let I'm me only go. going off a couple of data points. Maybe those were outliers that I know about. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I got I'll go do some research. I'm going to figure out I'm going to I'm going after the big ketchup. Yeah, exactly. We're going after big red and big red. Uh, <laughs> we're going after we're going after big sugar. <laughs> I also think uh, maybe maybe a gum wine. How, how about gum? You like gum? Sugar yeah, free but gum? Most, gum, most gum is sugar free. You know, it's like the best sugar free gum is better than sugar free. We, we have to go to the next level. We have to be like xylitol free. Or, Dude, you know, Trident. Like, you remember Xantham Trident? You remember, how, free. you remember how Trident is like dentist recommended? That's been sugar free. Yeah. Well, we are all recommended. We're yeah, southern who the recommended. Fuck choose gum. If anything, you're going to do gum with caffeine in it. There's this okay. guy named now there's this guy named Nick Simmons. He's got this business called Run Gum and it's gum with caffeine in it. Um, How's that company Lucy doing? Isn't that what uh, that is? Yeah, so I invested in a nicotine uh, gum company. I think it's only doing okay. Gotcha. Dude, I love nicotine, though. I, 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 here, let me show you what I have in my pocket right now. Can you see this? Uh, I see it's a little fuzzy, but I see like a vial of some kind. What is that? It's nicotine lozenges. And it just it's a lozenge one. like a cough drop? You just put it in your lip and you just kind of suck on it. I love nicotine, man. Is that the same thing as a pouch? Is a well, the same thing as a pouch? No, no there's no tobacco. Different. There's no tobacco. It's just, it's literally just like a mint. It's like a mint that has nicotine. And that that in does it. what? Why, why do you do that? To stop, to quit smoking or to give you a buzz? Yeah. So, like, I like cigars. And so, if I could, I would smoke cigars all day. And so now I can go like two, three weeks without a cigar and I just like sucking on these things. Amazing. I feel like nicotine does have a lot of interesting advantages. And, I don't I don't know if nicotine is inherently bad for you in itself. I know that the tobacco is. So I bumped into this guy on Twitter and go to um, go to it's Oklahoma or just just Google Oklahoma smokes. Have you heard of this brand? No, but I love it. So Oklahoma smokes almost like a sister brand to Southern Sam sticky icky, but uh, Oklahoma. <laughs> so, so, so this guy was like, oh, yeah, I have this uh, like agency. And we were doing kind of like branding for other products. And then we launched our own product, uh, Oklahoma Smokes. And it's basically, it's an alternative uh, thing you could smoke. It's like an alternative cigarette. And it's got no, no nicotine and no tobacco. But it's got the form factor of a cigarette. So you light it up, you smoke it, you puff it out, whatever. And um, and it's doing really well. So he's got like a good amount of traction. And I was like, wow, uh, that's great. Like, you know, what's... Uh, and so I looked him up in the kind of like ad library and I was like, dude, I don't see any ads. He goes, oh, yeah, you can't advertise for this on uh, Facebook or like pretty much any ad network because they don't want you advertising cigarettes, even though this is like a it's nicotine free, tobacco free. And um, 
He's like, so it's all just organic, like TikTok. Basically, people just post about it on TikTok and it goes like kind of viral on TikTok. And that's where all the growth comes from. It's just people organically talking about it on TikTok. And I was Do like, they have wow, a that's- slick website. The website is very nice. The branding is great. Um, the whole thing very is really slick. well done. Um, and I, I like it a lot. So, you know, maybe Oklahoma we, smokes. Maybe we work, we work with their agency for our uh, for our brand. All right. We got who we got, they use. It's all coming together. They are the agency. That's Damn, what they, they were doing before us. this. Are they based in Oklahoma? No, I think it's just a brand. Like the dude was like just like some Indian dude. Uh, <laughs> although I'm an Indian dude, I was born in Oklahoma, so I guess I guess maybe they do have some Oklahoma roots. I'm not sure, but I think it's a lot more like. Uh, Where do they live? Isn't this just like? Isn't that an amazing brand name? Oklahoma. This is Smokes. amazing. I mean, Oklahoma Smokes. It sounds like a band. I yeah, want to wear an sounds, Oklahoma. Sounds like sister. everything I want to be a part of. Yes, Oklahoma Smokes. Oh, that's phenomenal. That's a brilliant name. Right. Like if that was my nickname, you know, I'd be a happy man. So, and they're doing the, here's the, dude, look at this company. They're doing no Nick November. So no nicotine November. Uh, nice. and they're giving it discounts. Um, no sauce September, fun, baby. No sauce. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> this is good. I like these guys. Where do they live? Do you know? Uh, I have no idea. I don't even know if he wanted me to shout it out. I mean, he probably is happy with it, but uh, I've never tried it. I don't smoke, so it's like not a product I would use. I just thought the branding was extremely well done. And so I kind of added it to my swipe file of like, oh, this is not, this is a great name and a great brand here and a uh, really cool product idea. Challenging, you know, it's it's doing well, but it's not huge because very hard to grow, very hard to market something like this um, through traditional t- channels. So I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, you know, hopefully this wow. gives them a little spike or whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's the hard part about a business like that. Do you want to do one more? Um, yeah, let's do one more. Do you have one or you want me to to pick one here? You. We didn't do our news thing. I kind of hijacked right, the long ass Chris Harrison. Pick uh, one of Scott Harrison story. Pick but, one of the two. Uh, let's do the Zillow thing. So, uh, <laughs> so the funny story about this Zillow thing. So Zillow came out. And they said, hey, we are shutting down our iBuyer business, which is basically where they would just, uh, you want to sell your home? Boom, we'll give you an instant offer. Our algorithm will do a calculation and spit out a price. You don't have to go through a broker. You don't have to stage your house. You don't have to do like three months of showings. Like, we'll just give you an offer today. You can sell your home today. And the idea was, this was, you know, sort of an idea they stole from Opendoor. So Opendoor was a startup that was built to do just exactly this instantaneous uh, like instant sales of houses and um, Zillow saw open door growing and value and now open doors public. And they created a couple years ago, their own in in-house like competitor. They, they copied that feature, but it didn't work. So they got stuck. They just came out and announced, Hey, we lost $500 million this quarter. Oops. Uh, we're going to lay off 25% of our staff and we have 7,000 homes that we need to unload because we're getting out of this business and, and they're, they're getting $2.8 billion. They're getting out of it because they also are getting criticized constantly because Zillow is what everyone uses to get comps for homes. And if the yep. person also buys them, you could easily manipulate the price of things. So right. if you they can buy a home in one neighborhood, knowing that it's going to increase the the a lot of different things. So, and it's competitive with their core business. So they're, which I give them credit for because most companies, they wouldn't do it for all these reasons we're mentioning right now. They would just stay out and they would get disrupted. Zillow tried to not get disrupted to try to add this feature, but like their core business is basically selling to agents, right? For consumers, they give you price information and you're supposed to be a trusted source. So that's one challenge. The other conflict was 
the main business is agents buying leads from from Zillow. And if Zillow's the buyer, then they don't need the agents. They are their own agent. And so uh, they were com- competing with themselves in many ways. So the, anyways, they're getting out of this business, uh, you know, big kind of uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a scar from like, you know, a, a bruise from from going after this. Their stock price is just in the shitter, which is ironic because we're in this group chat where for months, like the last year, basically, these guys have been our, our friends have been like pimping out. Oh, dude, Zillow. Zillow's the, Zillow's a great buy. Yeah. Zillow's and I went and bought $25,000 worth. Exactly. Same. I bought it. Like, I don't know, like 50 or $100,000 worth of it. And I'm down big. Everybody, everybody in the group is down Half big or something. Yeah. We're all down like somewhere between 30 and 40 percent or something on this. And I agreed with it. I thought I think Zillow is the greatest thing ever, because to me, like, what do you do when you're in a fancy neighborhood? Even if you're not buying a home, you just go into Zillow. You know, it's a category (laughs) owner. They own it. Right. Yeah. So so, you know, Zillow, the stock is down big right now. Uh, The funny thing is Open Door stock also took a beating. (laughs) So they're down like 12 percent just on the news that Zillow failed at this. People are like, ah, maybe Open Door is also going to fail at this. And then they came out with this god awful did you see this tweet that they did um the, that open door did it's the worst it's the absolute tone deaf idiot just you I'm know gonna, what the best thing to do is to make fun of them so listen you know what do you remember what biden did when uh he was running for president Wh- which part forgetting he shut the words? fuck up because when you <laughs> yeah, have a guy in the basement like, <laughs> yeah when you have a guy like trump who does all the talking and like is his own worst enemy you shut up you hide and you don't say a word <laughs> That's what Open Door should have done. They should have locked themselves in the basement and said, everyone is forgetting to mention us, even though we do this exact same thing. You just shut up. Um, And that's what they should have done. Yeah. Or they should have come out cocky. They should have come out and posted a chart of how much ass they were kicking and just be like, uh, you know, this is, you know, this does, this is a hard business or it's not for everybody. And then just post their chart of themselves kicking ass at the same time Zillow is dying on, on the same business. But instead, I'm going to read this word for word. You it's tell me worst. if you understand 1% of this. Open door just randomly tweets yesterday. We're in the midst. First of all, don't say midst. We're in the midst of a generational shift towards a fully digital experience, comma, with large, comma, unmet need for seamless experience in real estate, period. What a circle okay. jerk sentence. Nothing. Then they reply to their own tweet. With our track record of executional excellence and many years of investment in consumer experience, technology, pricing, there's they're just saying words, comma, technology, comma, pricing, comma, and operations, comma. We are well hyphen positioned to meet consumer demand with a best comma in class product and service. Open door is open for business. We have demonstrated strong growth, unit economics, and we are energized to help homeowners nationwide with simplicity, certainty, and speed. I saw this and I was like, what the fuck? The funny part, the ironic part is this is done by somebody who's like, I, their comms, their job is comms, corporate comms. They're a communication professional. This is their their actual job. You want to know, they, uh, they forgot they the number with. one most important rule for about copywriting. You know what that number one rule is? No one cares about you. you they only yeah. care about themselves. Exactly. That's the number one rule. If you remember that, you're going to be you're going to be 90 (laughs) percent of the way there. No one cares about you. They only care about themselves. It's like when you go to a website and they go, we've been in business since 1994. Our pure our our passion is to serve you, our dear customers. We've been serving customers for a long time and we know that we're going to have a lot of high integrity when we handle you. It's like, I don't care. No one cares. No one cares. Yeah, exactly. They violated all the rules. So what's another rule? Uh, Don't you know, use words like that. You, yeah, exactly. You, talk you, like you speak. Talk, or write talk like you speak. Like you speak uh, write, sorry, write like you speak. And then 
um, use like, you know, eighth grade reading level. You know, this is like, you know, 20th grade reading level. And I said, none of it, none of it makes sense to the average person. Uh, they also didn't say anything of interest. Like, what did this mean? This all this meant was, please don't sell our stock. Please don't sell our stock. Please, 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 please don't sell our stock. We're, we're, we, we didn't make the mistake. They did. And there were so many better ways to do this. So that was, I thought. So I think th- there's this idea. So like when I um, was running the show, basically at the hustle, um, my staff would be like, we need to change the landing page or we need to change the footer. And I'm like, well, why? And they go, well, because it's been the same forever. And my analogy was always, yeah, but you're thinking about it this kind of poorly. For example, our office was on a corner and there was a billboard right there. And I would say, how many people do you think are going to see that billboard for many, many times in a row? And they would say, well, most people are probably just passing by. And I go, yeah, I would agree with that. Now, of course, you and I, we've been sitting here for a month now and we see that same billboard every single day. So we're kind of sick of it. But nine out of 10 people are just passing by and they're seeing it for the first time every time. What you need to remember is that most people are not just sitting there. They're just a parade, you know, walking by. And that's what like open door kind of like realized they're like, oh, well, yeah, most people like so they're probably in the thick of this and they're seeing Zillow flip out and they're like, everyone is everyone's talking about this. Everyone's thinking about us. It's like, no, 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 no. You are. But most people don't give a just shut up. Just be quiet. Hide. (laughs) Now's the time to hide. Yeah. So, yeah, I saw that. And our friend did something pretty funny. Yeah. So Moyes, uh, Moyes Ali, he. Um, he tweeted, he tweeted out, and I love this tweet, by the way, this is just a, he's very, he's a very good a, writer, a great cocky tweet. So he goes, dear Zillow and Rich Barton, the CEO of Zillow, who, by the way, is a badass. Um, I'm sure today is a tough day. I'd like to purchase all the homes you have on your balance sheet in one transaction. Is that something you'd consider? I will pay cash and close in 30 days. No contingencies or financing delays. Best comma M. <laughs> signing, off with, <laughs> signing off with the initial is the power move by the way uh, i will never ever write my full name again because the initial is so good and uh this is great obviously he's not gonna buy 2.8 billion dollars uh worth of stuff himself but but uh, maybe he, maybe uh maybe he's, maybe he's got some strategy here maybe he's got some money he could tap into i'm not sure um but yeah, it also just like hilarious tweet and a way to kind of be out there on Twitter and ride the ride the wave of something happening. Yeah, I thought this tweet was brilliant. He's a troll and I love when he trolls because he trolls in a very smart way. Yeah, um, he's a cocky troll. And, the, you know, the, the weird thing is, how did they lose money doing this? So like the from what I can tell, the like single family homes, which is what they were buying, single family home market is like at an all time high. Like people from COVID are. You know, there was the great reassessment, which is what happened during COVID. Everybody reassessed their job, their, you know, do I, can I work from home? Oh, wow. I didn't need to travel for business. I could just do a Zoom meeting and actually it works. Do I need a gym membership? I could work out at home. I could. Do I like this job or actually maybe now that I have this break, I can I can think about what I really want to do. And I pick up this hobby. And, you know, maybe when I'm at home in this marriage, this marriage sucks. You know, maybe I should reassess that. There was the great reassessment. And during that. A lot of people move. They move for different reasons. If your job is remote, you could leave high priced places like California and New York. You could relocate to other places. Um, if you're at home all the time, maybe you need more space and you want to buy, you want to buy a bigger, bigger place with a bigger yard and bigger office space or whatever. So people were buying more than ever and they were buying single family homes. So people were leaving the cities. And uh, so condos were down in inside San Francisco and New York, um, like 15 percent and single family homes were up 15, 20 percent. 
So I don't fully understand, and I'm sure there's a totally logical explanation, but you know, it's like, how did you, how did you lose money doing the one thing that everybody wanted? You were buying and selling single family homes. Like, and I think what they said was, you know, the price was too unpredictable. Um, so we, you know, we weren't able to do this well. And the other thing they said was there's a labor shortage. They couldn't get people to come flip the home. So like do the repairs you needed to, to flip the homes. Um, so yeah, I'm sure like that's really hard, but that's crazy. They weren't able to do it in like a bull market. Yeah, I think it's nuts. It, it doesn't make me like them anymore. And I, and I, I'm a shareholder. It, I'm bummed. I guess, I guess they should have just stuck to what they did. Um, you're going to hold your stock or you're going to sell? I don't sell. So yeah, I'm going to hold. Okay, cool. Me too. Um, all right. Anything else you wanted to do or we can wrap it up here? We'll wrap it up here. Um, don't forget to go to, what, what was the URL? Uh, rate this podcast.com slash MFM as in my first million. So rate this podcast, go leave us a review. If you get, if you get enjoyment out of the show, that's kind of all we ask. Helps us move up the charts, helps us get more downloads. Go and subscribe. Then we're gonna, we're, I think we're, we're going to do one more thing. I believe what we're going to do, I'll kind of like, I'll say briefly. Um, I think we want to do something where you get, we're going to have a budget of like up to 20 grand a month. And the people who create clips for us, Sean, and get the most views, we'll give them a little bit of money. Ah, okay. I like it. Yeah, so I think Ben or Jonathan came up with that. Okay, I like it. Dude, yeah, you get paid to listen, so it's a good deal. Well, you get paid to chop up clips and and and, they, and to be creative, so kind of a good idea. Awesome. Um, all right, all right, that's the pod. Yeah.